Reysol lose, but Olunga continues his relentless march to the Golden Boot. At the top, Frontale show no signs of stopping, but just four points separate the six teams below them. Tokushima slip up again in the J2, but there's no such worries for the impressive Avispa as they go three clear at the top. And there's a fight building up in the J3 league. Nagano, Kamamoto, Sagamihara and Gifu battle it out for that all-important promotion spot. All that and some more on this week's Japan Soccer Weekly. Okay, so last week was a long-ass podcast and quite frankly, 23 minutes is far too long to be listening to one person talk non-stop. So despite the many things to discuss this week, let's get back on track and aim for a little bit of a shorter pod this time. So away we go. J1 and both Soresto Osaka and FC Tokyo slipped up this week, each losing and relinquishing a spot as a result. It was Gamba Osaka who took full advantage of this, facing off against Kashiwa Reysol in a hard-fought match. Gamba went ahead in the 52nd minute, thanks to a gratuitous own goal from Reysol's Sungyu Kim. It stayed this way until the 80th minute when who else but Olunga looked to have snatched a point for the away side. That was Olunga's 23rd goal of the season, by the way, 10 more than any other player in the league. Frustration for Gamba was short-lived though as nine minutes later on the 89th minute popped up to make it 2-1 was Adam Milson and thrust Gamba forward into the second spot. I said last week that they were the team most likely to overhaul the others and they managed that this week, now nine games without a loss. That's bad news for FC Tokyo then who are struggling a bit for goals at the moment and could drop further down the table soon. They went down 4-0 at home to Yokohama FC Marinos, who are now just three points behind them. In truth, the scoreline doesn't tell the whole story here, however, as FC Tokyo played the last half an hour with just 10 men following Silva's dismissal. And the Marinos' third and fourth goals, both coming on the 90-minute mark. So I need to go back and watch the highlights of this again, as it was a frantic end to the match. Just a single point separated Kashima Antlers and Hiroshima, as Kashima took all three points there. Nothing major to report in this game until the 76th minute, at which point Kento Misao flung a long ball to Everaldo, who proceeded to put his name in the hat for goal of the season. A superb strike from the Brazilian, and one to look out for in the highlights. Highlights, by the way, you can watch for free on YouTube. A long way behind Olunga, but so is everyone this season. But Everaldo is the closest out of everyone else to Olunga's tally right now. After the game, he stated it was the nicest goal I have scored in Japan. And he might be hard-pressed to score many nicer than that. Definitely worth checking out for sure on the J-League YouTube channel. An impressive win for Sapporo then, as they recorded a 3-0 victory over Yokohama FC. Anderson Lopez getting on the score sheet there with an assist from JP. Bothroyd. Feels weird seeing Bothroyd's name on the Sapporo team sheet still. I remember him being really effective in the championship for Cardiff and Wolves way back. Um, I actually thought he'd retired, but he's now 38 years old and he's still going and it's become a regular now for Sapporo this season. So the last result to talk about from Saturday then 
is a rather uninspiring 1-0 victory for Nagoya against struggling Vigalta Sendai. Poor Sendai are in a bit of a rut now. No wins in 14 matches, sitting rock bottom. Unfortunately for them, two teams just slightly above them, Sagantosu and Shonan Belmare, shared the points between them on Sunday, each increasing the gap between them and Vigalta by a point, and both of those teams now three games each without a loss. Vagalta's next game is against Iniesta and his teammates at Vissel Kobe, so it's not looking great for Sendai at the moment. J2 now then. And usually I just want to focus on the top J1 league in these podcasts, but a quick mention has to be made about Avispa Fukuoka and their current run of form. After a small, surprising blip midweek, they're back to winning ways again this weekend. A goal in the 10th minute from Taishi Matsumoto was enough to give them some breathing room at the top of the table. That is a huge run of 15 games without losing now. Tokushima, the team scrapping with them for top spot, were back on track with a midweek 3-0 win, but stumbled again at the weekend with a 0-0 draw against Niigata. They're just fading slightly now, Tokushima, but the race is still there and there's only one game separating the two teams. Big winners this weekend were Mito Hollyhock, though, who, along with having a bit of a charming name, are a joy to watch at times. A brace from Nakayama alongside goals from Fukuhori and Yamaguchi completed a 4-1 away win against Renofa Yamaguchi on Sunday. I think I mentioned Mito before, actually, not that long ago. They were one of the first J-League teams I ever saw live, so I've got a bit of a soft spot for them. But their manager sometimes takes to using the fourth official's lightboard to convey his tactics from the sidelines, which is something I love. It's a really unusual thing to do, but it works really well. I'm not sure if the officials are so happy about that move, but it's great seeing how animated that Hollyhock bench can be. Lastly then, To round up the weekend's results, bear with me as I chat very quickly about the J3. And Blaublitz Akita, top of the table on 55 points. They're way ahead, way ahead of the rest of the pack. Following them though is where it's interesting, the teams chasing the other promotion spot. We have Nagano, Kumamoto and Sagamihara all on 42 points. Just below them FC Gifu on 40 So while top spot seems secured already, there are four teams chasing that second promotion spot. Lots of drama in that J3 league. If the quality isn't always there, the drama at least is. And it's worth pointing out that these fans supporting the J3 are often those fans living and breathing football. They turn up in days of scorching summer 40 degree heat, but also in the freezing and soaking typhoons that hit Japan each year. Regardless of the weather, they're here, in, they're here week in, week out. And something that's nice is it's a real family kind of atmosphere, real community atmosphere in a lot of these places. So for those fans, this race must be really exciting right now. If you have the chance, I'd really recommend visiting a J3 game if there is one nearby. The crowds can be small. I mean, the last one I went to was 550 people. But there's a lot of charm to these matches and goodwill given to those who come along to support. That last one I went to was Kamatamare Sanuki. And after the game, someone came up to me at the end of the match, 
just to say thank you for supporting them on the day and invited me to come back for the next game. So it's touches like that that can really endear you to a club and its fans. And speaking of Kamatamari Sanuki, by the way, bottom of the J3 for so long, they beat local rivals and one of my other favourite teams around, Imabari. They beat them 2-0 and climbed up two places. 16th place now in the league, two teams below them now. They're still very much in the danger zone, but no longer looking dead and buried as they did not so long ago. So that's it for football this time. J1, 2, 3, all sewn up in record time this one. We'll have one last jingle for good measure and then a quick chat about Villarreal's Takefusa Kubo. Here we are then, and bear with me just a couple of minutes as I want to expand the podcast into talking about those Japanese players making an impact overseas. This week, that would be Kubo, who scored the opening goal and assisted on two others last Thursday as Villarreal kicked off their Europa League campaign with a 5-3 win in Turkey. This was Kubo's first start for Villarreal since the 19-year-old winger arrived on loan from Madrid. So after his first goal early in the match, he then set up the next to give Villarreal a 2-0 lead within 20 minutes. And his next assist after that took them to a 3-2 lead ahead in the second half. What followed was a bit of back and forth and culminated in a final score of 5-3. Villarreal's current manager is actually the previous Arsenal coach, Unai Emery, who has so far used him quite sparingly. But as quite a big Arsenal fan, and seeing a lot of Emery's tactics before, if Emery's tactics at Arsenal are anything to go by, he might see Kubo as an effective cup player rather than a starter in the league, which means we have to hope Villarreal can go far in the Europa League so we can see more of the 19-year-old in action. And that'll do for this week. Much shorter this time round, about half the time, but we've worked through a bunch of the latest news. The midweek matches are almost upon us already, as is the Emperor's Cup. For a game to watch this week, I'm going to recommend Vagalta Sendai against Vissel Kobe on Wednesday night. Perhaps the clash between FC Tokyo and Racel will be more exciting, maybe a few more goals. But with Kobe in this weird run of form at the moment, perhaps... We'll see an upset. Maybe Vagalta can finally get some points back on the board the first time in a long time. As always, if you have any comments or want to get in touch about anything at all, email me at japansoccerweekly at gmail.com. Have a good week, everyone. And that's it for this week's episode of Japan Soccer Weekly. <laughs>